Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hi, this is Hugo Che, and this is the Traveling Image Makers Podcast the show where we interview famous and not-so-famous photographers and discover what compels them to travel many hours and cross many borders to get the shots. My guest this week is a person that I've interviewed was more than three years ago, and back then she was still living in cold and windy Chicago, and, but nowadays she has moved to more of a tropical paradise hopefully i like to think of that place as a paradise even though i don't know much about it it's one of those countries that is uh, popular with americans i hear because it's in central american but it's an english-speaking country while here in europe many people don't even know probably don't even know it exists i'm talking about belize and i'm the person that i have here with me today is my good friend jordana wright Hi, Jordana. Hi. How are you doing there? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. So, as I said last time we, we talked, it was an episode 108 of this podcast, right? You were still living in Chicago. That was in November 2017. Yeah. Yeah. What number episode are you up to now? 138, I believe. No, sorry, okay. 188. Awesome. 88? Okay. 88. 88. So, it's so been, a lot has happened since your last time. A lot has happened. Um, and yeah, I think a lot has happened in your life too. And um, you were a, a photographer, a professional photographer working in the US. Uh, I remember we talked about the, the book that you had just published about travel photography. And I, but I guess you were also working as a professional photographer for clients in the U.S. But then I saw you posting on Facebook about moving to Belize. And I said, wow, that's great. I really want to, to ask Jordana about her experience doing so, especially about the, the, the reasons behind that decision and how you made it happen, why you, made it, you wanted that to happen, how you made it happen, and what are your first considerations after how many months have you been there we've been here for six months now what prompted you to to move to belize so my husband and i had always wanted to live outside of the u.s at some point um specifically in central america someplace tropical um most of my travel has been to central america and the caribbean and it's just a part of the world that i love a climate that really appeals to me i'm not a cold weather person um, so, you know, we'd had this goal for a really long time, but the complication was that we had a somewhat elderly pit bull and it's hard to travel with pit bulls. Most airlines don't take them. So, um, you know, our boy was back in June, he was 15 and a half and it, then things started to wind down for him and, you know, it was the perfect life. And then when he was gone, we said, okay, now we can do our clean break. And so that actually coincided with everything shutting down in Chicago for COVID. 
So, um, you know, I do, I do client shoots, I teach photography, I was teaching in the classroom and all of a sudden everything I did for money, everything I did for fulfillment, it all just evaporated. So we sat in Chicago for a few months and we're pretty much homebound like everybody else. And Chicago can be an expensive place to live, especially when you can't work as a freelancer. So it just really, like, it seemed like this perfect opportunity where, you know, there was nothing holding us back anymore. There were no obligations. Everything was drying up work-wise. And we said, okay, let's just do it because we've always wanted to, and there's not going to be a better time than now. So it took some planning. It definitely took some organization and some planning. We worked on the, the moving process for about three months, and then as soon as Belize opened their airport up again in October of last year, we were here within a week of them opening. So we took advantage. Why specifically? Why Belize specifically? I, I, I sure. You said you are uh, very familiar with Central America or in general, but. So, um, you know, there was a while that we had been planning to move to Nicaragua, and that was about three years ago. And then they started having all kinds of civil uprisings, um, issues with Daniel Ortega, and it just didn't seem like the right time to go there. We still very much love Nicaragua, and I'd like to get there ultimately at some point. But when that happened, we started looking around, and, you know, Costa Rica is really well known, people love it. Panama is kind of a similar atmosphere, but then we chose Belize for a vacation and it spent three weeks down here just driving around the country. This was back in 2019, driving around the country and exploring and it just felt right. It, we had a connection to it immediately. The fact that English is the primary language made it really easy to navigate. The people are incredibly friendly and you have this amazing melting pot of cultures. So it really felt like this interesting, unique place, both photographically, but also, you know, experientially. It was a really, really nice experience and nice environment to be in. Uh, what's your status in Belize? As you an, are you an immigrant there, a resident? You're on a tourist visa or work visa? What, what type of arrangement? If I wanted to move there, how would I arrange things in that respect? So for American citizens, and Canadian citizens, it tends to be a little bit easier. Also for a lot of Europe, it's a little bit easier. If you're coming from China, India, other places in Asia, it's a little more expensive and more complicated because Belize has these like reciprocity relationships with various countries. Um, essentially, we are here on a tourism visa. The day you arrive in the airport, you get a 30-day tourist visa. You're not allowed to work um, in the local economy because they don't want you taking jobs away from locals, which is totally reasonable. Um, and then once that 30 days expire, you go to the capital city and you extend your work visa or you send your tourism visa. So you can extend it for up to 90 days at a time. So basically every three months we drive to Belmopan, which is the capital. It's about an hour and 15 minutes away. We go into the, um, the immigration and customs office show them our lease for our house that we rented and say, you know, we're still here, we want to stay, you pay the fee, and then they extend you another three months. So under my tourism visa, like they keep adding it to my passport that I have three more months and three more months. Once we've been here for a year, we can apply for residency. 
Um, that doesn't mean you necessarily get it as soon as you apply, but that's when you can start applying. You have to be in the country for a year and not leave for any longer than 14 days total over the course of the year, which normally that's harder to achieve because you want to travel a lot. But with COVID, there's really no travel outside of the country for us right now. So that's the plan. That's kind of the silver lining in the COVID thing. <laughs> Good that you don't have no opportunity to travel, otherwise <laughs> you might be tempted to. Yeah. So you're, you're planning to make it more permanent or permanent, your stay there. That is the goal. Um, you know, I love Chicago and I love um, the things, the access that it affords me. I enjoy the city in terms of its beauty and the people that live there. And it was home for a really long time. But priorities have kind of shifted in our lives. And being here has made me realize that I appreciate a slower pace and that I need a lot more nature in my day-to-day -day existence for my, for my happiness. Sure. Then I'm sure that once you have a permanent resident status, then you would be able to, to go to Chicago for one month or two months if you wanted, and then uh, no, no more problems in that sense. Yeah. Um, you said that organizing the move took uh, took quite some time. Three months, you said. Yeah. What, what were the, the main obstacles? The differences were just maybe getting rid of the stuff you have in Chicago. <laughs> I know that people tend to to stuck to a to stick to a place because not because they don't want to move, but because of oh, thinking. If I were to think about moving permanently to somewhere else, I would think, what about the house I own here? What about all the, the connections and everything? How do I get rid of all that stuff? Or Yeah, so was, was that some, one of the considerations or? Absolutely. Um, I mean, you accumulate so much stuff in the course of a life, right? And we had a two bedroom apartment that was pretty full. I mean, we had moved from a larger place and one of our bedrooms had basically turned into like a stockpile that we were gradually going through. Um, so there was a lot of deciding what do we keep? What do we sell? What do we store for later? We also didn't know if we were going to like it here. So you don't necessarily want to sell everything you own. You don't want to get rid of your winter clothing only to come back six months later and say, crap, I need that stuff now. So, you know, we had to have kind of this phased approach to it where it was like, this is the stuff we can purge. We're not going to miss it. This is the stuff we should hang on to just in case. And then this is the stuff we definitely need to bring with us to survive. So that process took some time. Also, you know, lining up all of our arrangements, because when we first came down here, there were strict um, COVID rules as far as like where you could stay. We got to quarantine in our house. There was a 14-day quarantine, which they ended up downgrading to a 10-day quarantine. But the first night we arrived, we had to stay in, a, in an approved hotel and, you know, get temperature checks. And it was approved transportation to make sure that you're not risking the local people by bringing COVID into the country, that kind of thing. So that aspect of it, the COVID aspect, took probably more preparation than other portions of it, but there was a lot to take care of. And also, you know, just trying to figure out where your stuff is going to live, how you can save money, um, cutting down bills, trying to, you know, consolidate your life in a variety of ways to make it possible. 
since we you mentioned COVID, just briefly, I don't want our podcast to be all about COVID these days, but was the situation there under control? Is the getting vaccinations now? People are require masks. Do we have restrictions on things you can do? So the rules for tourists and the rules for locals are a little bit different. Um, essentially, to come down as a tourist, you need to either show that you are fully vaccinated um, at least two weeks ago, or you need to come down with a negative test from, I think, the past like 96 hours or something. If you don't have a test, they'll test you at the airport for like $50 US or something. Um, and then provided that you test negative, you're free to go on to your hotel. Um, they're doing careful tracking and checking in with hotels. There are preferred hotels they want you to stay at currently so that they can keep track of people. Um, as far as locals, there is currently a, um, what's it called? A, where there is, what's the word I'm looking for? So you have to be home by a certain time of day. Uh, curfew. Curfew. There's a curfew. Thank you. That word just does not come into my head. So there is currently a curfew. Um, and right now, I think it's like 10 p.m. It used to be 8. Before that, it was 6. And so they've been gradually stepping back this curfew because it's been really effective. There are rules as far as how many people can gather in one place outside of like a certain household. The thing about Central America that makes COVID so complicated is that people are living in multi-generational homes, probably similar to what you see in, in parts of Europe as well. Mm -hmm. So if somebody brings it home, they don't just bring it home to four people, they bring it home to 14 people. And so there have been all, the, all of these strict rules to try to minimize that. Um, I think gyms are starting to open back up. Shopping, you know, they're supposed to limit how many people are in the store at a time. Before you can walk into a grocery store, they spray your hands off with sanitizer. Everyone wears masks. It's, I feel so much more comfortable here than I did in Chicago. Um, and part of that is because the population density is much lower, but also part of that is because people take it seriously and it hasn't been politicized. You know, it's not, mm -hmm. it's, there's no sense that like, this is all one big conspiracy or something. People understand, and it's a small enough country that everybody has known somebody that has been really sick or died. And so they take it seriously. It looks a bit like Italy. We have a curfew too, and <laughs> masks everywhere, sanitization, sanitation of hands and well. Wash your hands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, bit, it's, a, it's a bit similar, yeah. But I, I guess the economy has been affected by the lack of tourism. I guess the, the economy relies on tourism quite a, quite a bit there, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the economy has been having a lot more difficulty than in previous year, years. Um, Belize was really increasing in their popularity as a tourism destination, and the past year has just had two years, actually, at this point, two seasons have had just this complete dip in visits. Um, we are seeing more and more gringos walking around with their baseball caps looking out of place. But uh, it's it's going to be slow to come back. My hope is that by next year, it'll be back in full swing. So other than that, how's the the life there? I mean, it's the typical laid back Caribbean lifestyle. It's super laid back. 
Um, it's taken some getting used to. I think I think I needed like the first two months to get used to not needing to fill every moment of every day with activity or like productiveness. Um, so, you know, it took some time, but the quarantine was really nice for that as well. Just like forcing you to stay in your house and kind of get used to the heat and get used to the energy. Um, but it's a really nice life here. I find that we spend a lot more of our time focused on preparing food. It's like our day, our day uh, revolves around what are we eating for lunch? What are we eating for dinner? We eat fresh fruit smoothies every day. Like it's, it's all about, um, you know, the good things in life. And that's kind of a nice shift for me. The food is also very inexpensive by comparison to what it would cost in the U.S. So we eat really well. What little I know about Belize is the, the fact that it's a prime destination for diving, right? Mm -hmm. Scuba diving with the reef and everything. And uh, kind of, that was a very old episode of this podcast. I think it was episode uh, 12 or something with uh, Justin Bellog and Armando Martinez. We talked about Belize and they went there to do a a diving trip uh, or underwater photography trip also. But uh, you told me when we were preparing this interview that there's also a lot that the country has to offer in the interior, uh, especially in terms of nature and wildlife. And this is also one of the reasons you said you love really love being in nature. Is that true? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when we first came here for vacation in 2019, we did kind of a, a full, ran the full gamut of what this country had to offer. And we went to the north, which tends to be a little more arid. We came out here to San Ignacio, which is on the border of Guatemala. So it's a lot more of that jungle environment. Um, and then we also went out to the islands and we were out by the Blue Hole, which is the diving site. I mean, it's just this incredible location. I don't scuba dive, I want to. That's one of my goals of being here is to learn how to dive. Um, but for the snorkeling even, it was incredible. So there are so many microclimates in this country that you can travel two hours in one direction and completely change the type of stuff that you can see and photograph. And that's that's amazing to me. So what's good to, to photograph there if you don't go <laughs> underwater? Do you, do you photograph a lot of wildlife, nature, landscapes? So a lot of wildlife, a lot of nature, a lot of landscapes. The other thing that's incredible about Belize is that this was really a hub of the Mayan civilization. So there are Mayan ruins everywhere. Just around San Ignacio, there's like four or five um, within a two-hour drive. So there's actually one called um, Cajal Pech that's literally a 20-minute walk from our house. And we walk there when we just want to have like a nice quiet day. Um, in the ruins. And basically, it's just these enormous temples. Some of them have been excavated, some haven't. But for the architecture, and then also the blending of nature and that man-made influence is really compelling photographically. So that's one of my focuses. The other one is the abundance of wildlife. Um, I have this project that I'm doing where I am just focusing on my own backyard, literally, because it's something I could not do when I lived in Chicago. I didn't have a yard. I had a place to park my car. So I have seen at this point 42 species of birds in the past six months just in my yard, which is insane to me. 
like so many birds. We have parakeets, we have um, full-size parrots, we have toucans, um, we have all kinds of like, little songbirds. It's just incredible. Every day there's something new. And we have a blooming cherry tree on our property and the cherries just attract this insane collection of birds. So I'm always out there in the morning with my binoculars scoping out the birds. Then I grab my camera, I photograph them. It's amazing access every single day. Are there also national parks where you can go and, and see maybe more elusive wildlife type that doesn't come to a city? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Belize is known for big cats as well. So there are five species mm -hmm. of big cats in the country. Um, I don't know them all off the top of my head, but basically we do have jaguars. There's one called a margay, which is kind of like a really pretty house cat, slightly bigger. Uh, but there's five different kinds and they are in these protected areas for the most part. So you can go on jungle tours, you can go on hiking in national parks, and you can explore and hopefully see these things. Um, the nice thing is that Belize really understands how important the, national, the natural environment is to their tourism product. And so you have these huge swaths of land that are completely protected, and that really allows those jungle species to thrive. Cool, sounds really a place I would love to visit. <laughs> Should put it on my map. As I said, I told you right here in Europe, we barely know about the existence of Belize. Yeah. Well, does uh, does British Honduras sound more familiar? Because it was British no. Honduras up until 1981. No, actually, I just be researching this interview. I did some research in Belize. Okay. Yeah, it was. I I remember that it was a nation that got its independence from the U from the Britain from the UK recently. It was in 81, and I checked, and it was called British Honduras. Yeah, probably I had known that years ago, and because I'm a kind of a geography buff, but I almost forgot. I also learned there's a, a dispute with Guatemala, that Guatemala claims that it actually owns kind of two-thirds of Belize, including the place where you live. So I say, oh, yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's regularly uh, this little squabble on the border about like, oh, no, this is the line. No, that's the line. I try not to. I mean, I read the news, but beyond that, I can't get too involved in it. Moving a bit to something about more of your professional photography activity, since you, you now you cannot really do any legal work there. Uh, what's your... Uh, I know you were involved with, with clients, shooting for clients. Uh, I don't think you can find the, the type of clients that you had in the U.S. here, even when you might be able to work later. But I also know you were doing education and remote courses and workshops and so on. So are you uh, organizing? How are you organizing to uh, do some professional work while you are there? So for the most part, um, my career at least in the past two years, had shifted toward a lot of education and a lot of writing about photography. So both of those things have been able to continue. Um, I still have my private tutoring students. I do one-on-one -on -one tutoring um, on an hourly basis or, you know, if we're working towards a project or something. And so that's something that I can do relatively effectively online. Um, using Zoom, which is in our lives now and never will leave, I don't think. 
So using Zoom, I can work on Lightroom with a student, take over their computer to show them how to do something. And what's cool about it is I can record the session and then give it to them so that they can reference it later. So there are definitely ways to make it work, um, which is really nice just to have that as a source of income and also to be able to check in with people that I've built these relationships with. Writing, I can do anywhere. Our internet is really fast here, so that makes it very possible. Um, I'm currently working on my next book as well. So being here kind of function, functions as like an artist retreat sabbatical kind of situation. So it's been really good for focusing. Yes, technology has uh, really gave, given us the possibility of being location independent in many, in many respects. And I think that that's really good. Uh, so, so the fact that I'm here in Italy, I can talk with you in Belize and we're not for the for the people who are listening to the podcast. We're not publishing the video stream, but if I wanted, I can see you very clearly. Like, and there is no lag. Audio quality is great. Video quality is great. I mean, you're coming to me in uh, almost in high definition. So it's like really being close to each other. That that's amazing. We, we, where we've come in just a few years, and this is, I think has helped a lot with uh, during the COVID situation with people. Not being able to travel, being able to still to keep in touch using technology. Uh, yeah, really amazing. Absolutely. I haven't seen my parents in about a year and a half, um, and I see them every week on video chat. So I feel like that yeah. would make that makes it much easier to deal with those kinds of barriers. Sure. You mentioned that you are, uh, you are working on a new book. Mm-hmm. Or do you want to let us know what, what, what that is about? So um, we'll talk about it more in the future, but just as a teaser, yep. the book is called Cannabis for the Creatives. Um, and basically it is an analysis of the relationship between cannabis use and creativity um, as something to be used as like a mind expander and something to help you target your focus and your level of inspiration. And so this is a subject that's always been really interesting to me. Um, I am kind of a underground pot enthusiast myself. So I've always been curious to see, you know, who else out there is using it in a similar way to how I am, which is to sort of get that creative flow state going. So I have been interviewing artists from all over the world and doing them via Zoom chat, which is really cool and asking them about their experiences, their artistic process, um, what their preferences are for cannabis, what what realizations they've been able to come to about their work and their lives and, and that kind of thing. So it's really cool. It's, it's basically like an ethnography of creatives who use cannabis. Cool. Right, we said that you just started working on this, so we promised when we were preparing this interview that we would do another one when the book is about to be published or when it's published and we'll go more in depth about this um, this really interesting topic. Uh, it reminds me a bit of the experiments of the counterculture of the 60s with LSD and all those artists that were trying new drugs and see how that stimulated their creativity in, in good and maybe some bad ways. Also. Exactly. It's not all... Uh, but there's a lot there that really interesting. I mean, it's it's not common also for for photographers to 
explore those uh, those topics. It's really I'm really looking forward to learning more about it. So well, for the listener to this podcast, keep an eye on us. We'll have Jordana in a few months from now talking about the intersection of cannabis and creativity. Okay, any anything else that you would like to to tell us? I don't know anything that we forgot to to mention about Belize or photography or life in general. How's your um, dog, by the way? I know, I know you got a new dog. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we were after after having a dog for 15 and a half years, we were like, OK, we're going to take a break for a while. And then we moved down here. We had no intention of getting a dog. We even bought we got a house where our rental lease says we're not allowed to have a dog. And then the day after Christmas, this tiny starving puppy showed up at our gate and just like wandered in and looked at me and was hungry and sad. And I fed him ham and now he loves me forever. So we named him Holiday and we got our landlords to let us keep him. And uh, he's turned into a really fantastic dog. He's really smart. He's got great energy. It's amazing how much having a dog can enrich your life. Um, so it's been, it's been a pleasant surprise, not something we were expecting, but it definitely has added to the experience here. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I was asking anything else you would like to, to mention to, to let our listeners know about? So, you know, I think that for photographers who are looking to plan that first trip, now that the world is starting to open back up again, more people are getting vaccinated Belize is an awesome location that deserves tourism dollars. Um, basically, there's a million things to photograph from landscapes to nature to the food and the culture. Uh, the people are really warm and friendly. They're not terribly camera shy. Just have a conversation and they're happy to pose for you. Um, you know, there's just so much going on here and it's a really inexpensive place to come and unwind for a while. So. I would really recommend that people who want to get out of that stir crazy headset come down here for two weeks, three weeks, and just explore and sit down with their cameras. Um, there are lots of opportunities. I'm currently working on trying to set up like workshops in the future because I think it's it's something that I'll be able to show people more effectively than tell them about. But I'm not quite there yet, but keep an eye out for that as well. Great. And... Speaking of travel photography, is your previous book still in print? Absolutely, yeah. The you want enthusiast, to mention it? Yeah, The Enthusiast Guide to Travel Photography. Um, so it is kind of a chapter-by-chapter, lesson-by-lesson approach to, um, to doing travel photography from gear selection and how to pack it and plans for like creating your travel itinerary and that kind of thing, tips and tricks with that all the way down to, you know, you go to a location, it's not what you expected. How do you make the most of it photographically and still walk away with something that you're excited about? Um, so it's a great uh, introduction. It became the basis of a curriculum that I still teach on travel photography. Um, and it's it's something worth checking out, I think. So, yeah. Sure. And I guess people can find about it on your website or you want to let people know so the it's, address of your site or yeah. where can people find you online in general? So it's on my website. Uh, my website is jordanawright.com. 
Um, and, you know, the book is also available with Barnes and Noble and Amazon and through the publisher Rocky Nook. But as far as where to find me and my stuff, I am Jordana Wright on everything. So Instagram, Facebook, that's how you find me. Great. So I will put links to your website and the book in the show notes. And uh, if you send us some photos from Belize, I'm sure they will entice people to come there and uh, visit your country, current country of adoption. Let's put it like that. Um, so thank you for, for being with us today. It's been really a pleasant conversation, really loved and made me want to travel to one more country that was not really on my radar until now. But now I said, oh, well, maybe if I want to go to the Caribbean again or to Central America. And I would love to also to to go and visit many of those Mayan ruins. I've been to, to Mexico, to the Yucatan, I've been to uh, Chichen Itza, I've been to Tulum, a couple of those places, but I know there's uh, a ton of, uh, I love archaeology and history as well, and visiting one of those places would be amazing. So maybe one day, looking forward to that. Yeah, come on down. Sure. So thanks again for being with us and all the best for uh, your adventure in Belize. Hope to talk to you soon when your new book is out. Awesome. Thank you so much.